You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. My guest today is Jess Watkins. Jess is an actress, comedian, and writer, and just one of the funniest ladies and best storytellers that I know. We were at the University of Evansville together for a few years, and I'm so grateful that we're still friends and live in the same city. I hope you enjoy the 21st episode of The Compass. How do you how do you try to stay out of the dark side as an artist? Uh, how is it done? Um, I that's I think about this, and, and a lot of it is to do with listening to your podcast. But I think about this every day. Yeah, um, it's a constant question because I feel like I I didn't realize this uh, about myself, but I think for the past. Even, even maybe a little before, no, maybe right after grad school and moving to New York, I switched into survival mode. And I don't think I ever got out of survival mode. I think I've only ever operated in survival mode, um, which is like living month to month and, and kind of in this constant low-level panic mm-hmm. um, and anxiety. And so how... And I'm I'm so panicked that I already forgot your question. <laughs> Did you ask me what is the what I'm? All right. Well, how do you? Well, they're together. They're the same question. Okay. How do you keep yourself from going to the dark side? But wrapped up in that is also what is the dark side for you? Ooh, can I answer the second one first and mm-hmm. then go? Okay, okay, because that helps. Yeah, sure. So for me, the dark side is. Um, I didn't realize until I was telling you a little bit about this earlier. I didn't realize until. Uh, quite recently and I'm a bit embarrassed by that because I think if you talk to people in my life that I love um they would be like yeah yeah you this has been for a while but I think I've been really angry Hmm. and and angry for a while and and I know that it has to do with my own insecurities and myself and my own kind of like choice to be unhappy is my like (laughs) my way of putting it but um um and it it comes from this feeling which this is what I think is the dark side for me uh-huh. This feeling of, I'm going to use a metaphor. Go for it. Brace yourselves. Um, it feels like, it's this feeling, whatever the word is for it. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm such an asshole. You know those dreams you have that are kind of 
I hate people who talk about dreams. I don't hate people. I hate do it. Do it. Go real. for it. You woke up. I know it's not real. It's a judgment-free space. You had a dream. Um, you know those dreams where uh, I, I have these a lot where something's happening and you need to run. And for some reason, your body knows you need to run. Your your mind knows you need to run. But you, you just don't or can't. Hmm. I used to have these reoccurring server dreams. Um, not surfer. Server. Because server <laughs> dreams rad. I used to have these server dreams where my section would be full and everyone would need me and I'd forgotten to put in everyone's orders and everyone's like looking for me and I know I'm going to get fired if I don't get my shit together. And in those dreams, I would just not be able to move and I would just watch it all fall apart yeah. and then wake up and go to work and that would kind of happen. <laughs> um, but I mean, At least once in yeah, anything, yeah. A body sweat and a panic. Um, it's this feeling of kind of like, Okay, like you're standing on the subway platform, but your feet are like glued down mm-hmm. and the trains just kind of keep going by. Yeah. It's kind of what it feels like to me. Like, I know I need to get on this train. I know I need to move, but I feel there is something that is stuck and I don't know what that is. Yeah. And that for me, the dark side is that feeling of choosing to be inactive while desperately needing and knowing that I need to be active. I need yeah. to do something. I just don't know what that thing is. And now I feel like I have a better grasp of what that is. But for a long time, I thought, well, I'm an actor because that's what I do. I act. I'm an actor. Right. Um, that's what I've always wanted to do. That's what um, you trained for. Exactly. Of course. I worked really hard to like, make myself an actor and to um, try to not be a shitty one. And then I, I don't know. I feel like. My mom has always told me, uh, like, you should be writing. You should write things down. And I was like, I'm not a writer. I'm an idiot. Like, I'm not a writer. Writers are genius people. <laughs> Writers are smart people. They know how to write. It's 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 given to them by God. They know how to write. And right. Write. And mm-hmm. then it wasn't all that long ago that I remember, like, pacing outside of my Sunnyside apartment. Like, while my mom be like, well, have you seen my big fat Greek wedding? She wrote that. It's about her life. And I'd be like... I love that movie. I know. I know. What is that line? Um, uh, she's like, you, what is it? You don't eat meat? Okay. I make, I lamb. make lamb. Yeah, that's my favorite. It was my twin. <laughs> it's just, that's, so my mom, uh, like, saw my big fat Greek wedding and it changed her life. Um, and she's decided that, like, you, you need to write, you need to write, you could hmm. write something like that. And I'm like, no, I can't. I'm an asshole. And <laughs> so she has always said, like, you, you write your own stuff. Can't you write your own stuff? Um, but Mom, I remember, but I remember Brittany um, Bond when you had interviewed her, and I loved. Uh, I love Brittany so much. She said this thing, and her mom said, "Like, well, can I buy you an agent?" And I always, I always thought that my mom was saying that coming from a place of like, "Well, can't you just write your own play and be in it?" Right. But she's a genius. in an overly simplistic and, way. Yeah, but she yeah, exactly in an oversimplistic. But she wasn't being oversimplistic. She was being like what everyone would tell you to do if you have an inclination to create something. And you feel stagnant. It's like, well, well, make something. Like, just make something. Make anything. Um, so for me, that dark side is uh, knowing that I want to do something, but there is something blocked. Mm-hmm. And I'm still trying to figure out... I have an idea of what some of those things are, but trying to figure out how to, how to work despite them instead of trying yeah. to fix them and then do it. Um, Does it ever manifest for you as, like, feeling invisible? Ooh. 
because I'm totally I'm projecting this because that's how I feel sometimes but I I totally relate to what you're saying about just like an like desperately wanting to do something but not being able to or feeling like not cool enough Hmm. like the cool kids at the cool table are doing it and I really like even Nick Nick talked about this about seventh grade Mm -hmm. that's I feel like like it's like I'm not I'm just not cool enough they're all wearing eyeliner and <laughs> are in the drama club and I'm not and I don't know how to it's it feels like it, invisible is a way of putting it but I feel like oh that's yeah I don't know I don't know if I ever feel in no maybe it is invisible maybe it, it, is it can invisible. be not I'm I'm totally trying to throw my own things onto you no you know what it is it's like and I think this is a form of feeling invisible it's feeling like whatever I have to say doesn't belong in the conversation hmm. or that what I have to say is a shitty thing to say in the conversation. Like, hmm. uh, like I've done this a number of times because I'm loud and obnoxious, but whenever you're like at a gathering or something and you're like, I have a funny story to share with you, you know what I mean? And you're like this one time I did this thing. And anyway, this hilarious thing happened and aren't I charming and funny. And then everyone's like, is there a bathroom? Oh, I hate that feeling. I I hate that feeling. It's that feeling all the time. (laughs) That's how I feel about, about when you're in the dark side, that's where you are. I feel like, yeah, I feel like, uh, like I thought this was going to kill and it just didn't. Oh, I'm uh, saving that story. I thought it was great. And then, but it, but is that real? Do you know what I mean? Right. Or is it just your own judgment in your head? Yeah. And I know like, feel like a inspirational magnet like you are your own worst critic yeah but it's true like it's I'm, true and what I've done is because I'm such a hard critic on myself after like grading down to my last raw nerve I've then projected it outward onto everyone else hmm. all their things so I'll go see a play that maybe like it isn't my taste okay so what it's for someone else it's someone else's taste maybe someone maybe a huge group of people right. who saw it loved it and it did something for them maybe it did something for that artist but in the past couple of years when I'd see something like that I'd be like well that's $25 I'm never getting back and what a horseshit thing to sit through and ugh and just so mad and now I realize like oh no it's just because I was tired of being mad at myself I was tired of being mad at hmm. how shitty I felt the stuff that I was writing or not writing was um or making it, yeah so so when did you start writing and has that been a little bit of a remedy for you? Yeah, I've always written a little bit. Yeah. I've always written a little bit. Um and I've always liked to write. Uh in the in like the most one can like writing because it's always kind of like I have the cleanest apartment. Well, my my well, no, our apartment's pretty clean. My bedroom <laughs> is like <laughs> because every time I sit to write, I'm like, I could swip her. Isn't that, that amazing does, how that works? Yeah, totally. It's like when you have something you want to avoid, yeah. you're just so inspired to oh, clean those totally, dishes or totally. organize your dresser. Oh, no. I was the other day, I was like, I'm going to write today. I'm going to write. I'm sitting down. I'm going to write. Nope. I'm going to go to Michael's because I got <laughs> I'm going to get Frank's. That's probably why I made that soup that oh, I showed God. you on the way in. Oh, I made some soup today I'm instead of doing something I'm creative. Excited. <laughs> but it, it's that, yeah. So I, I've always. Oh God! Like the when I was younger, I oh, I didn't know that that's what you could do. But I always wanted to be a stand-up comic. That's mm-hmm. what I always wanted to do when I was a kid. But I didn't know that that's what that was. That that was a job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I just thought like 
someone, I, I don't know what I thought. I don't know, it must have been a really surreal little world my, that I lived in because I was like, there are some people who get up in front of other people and talk about themselves and people love it. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I don't necessarily want to talk about myself, but like I my own people laugh. take on the world and then people enjoy themselves and everyone's married. Perfect. Yeah, that's the job I want. And then I realized that it involves uh, like being out in clubs that I don't want to go to around a lot of drunk people and that's not everything but um as I got older I was like that sounds really terrifying yeah and not the act of doing it just the the lot Joel Rainwater talked about this I remember like the like the day-to-day the, yeah where she's like that's yeah I've done it a couple of times like I did the last time I did stand-up was on my birthday Ooh. like two years ago and it was an open mic and people after they would go up because you draw, they would like draw your name out of a hat. And after people would go up, they would just leave. And I was the second to last person to be drawn. Oh no. And it was me and this one guy who was wearing like five shirts. Um, <laughs> sitting in, like drinking in, like a, like a Zima. And I remember it being like something like, God, did you get that here? Did you bring it? I don't think there's a Zima here. I mean, we're in Queens, but but I remember getting up there and like being like, so Pinterest, am I right? And like he was like, ha ha, thought to myself. Was wait, he this was he was the only person left in the, the audience only as well. Left in the audience, and he was the next performer. Yeah, and oh. I could hear the other fifteen people who just gotten up like joking and laughing at the bar area, which is like behind a curtain in mm-hmm. the other room. And I remember being like, fuck you guys, so hard. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to come from a community where people are, uh, people are so supportive. And it, it's just tricky when it's, when you go up and it's some, suddenly like a solo sport. Yeah. Um, that's what it feels like from going from like a football team to like being a tennis player, sport, 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 sport. That's all. <laughs> and how many sports do you and I play between us? <laughs> I played tennis for like zero. I was on the swim team for two years when I was nine. Oh my god, how'd it go? Um, I did the butterfly. That was the one I could not do. You would do butterfly. Yeah, could never do that. I could do that one, but only when I was nine. <laughs> they tried to teach me butterfly, and they were like, "You know what? Here, just pull over to the side for a minute. Don't do that." You're going to pull something. But performing arts sports? Yeah. We got, it, we got it down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. I can, like, sweep a floor. Like, so have you, you've written off the, the traditional stand-up comment? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't As know. far as, like, performing in bars and clubs, that doesn't appeal to you? Um, but, you know, it doesn't. But then part of me is, like, a lot of things don't appeal to me, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I think yeah. I... I, think I I say it like to myself every day, like today's the day. Today's the day I do stand up comedy, and then I'm like, today was not the day. <laughs> Tomorrow will be the day, and so I'm. But I, I feel like I'm getting closer to like taking the jump. That yeah. sounds really disheartening, but like I'm getting in closer. a good way. Yeah, um, I'm okay with. I'm okay with it. So now. is the writing that when you sit down and you write, mm-hmm. is it writing jokes for stand up comedy? Is it writing scripts? Is it writing? journals is um, it, what kind of writing are you drawn to so far it's been just really really shitty plays mm-hmm. um like the worst place i'm writing the worst place. that's i cannot uh, write a play to save my life so no, that's good I for you I just, I just, <laughs> it's the worst i'm writing the worst play um i have some stuff for stand-up and i write that but it always makes me 
Do you write, you write it down. You don't just think about it and you're like, oh, I can, I can wing it. I write it down to a degree, but I feel like part of the reason I get so stunted and I stop myself is that I, I feel like I need uh, a conversation. I, I can't, I, I'm not a, uh, I know you have to be able to have that skill as a comic. You have to be able to right. get up because you're not going to have like always just a friendly, attentive, can-do audience. Like you're right. going to sometimes have to just hold your own. And so I know I need to write from that place. I need to write things like that. And I've done a little bit. I hate it all. Um, <laughs> but, but I feel like I, I just hey, need it's to a get step. up. And, yeah, I just need to get up and for so long, and I don't know if it's a lady thing. God, oh, for so long, I remember I was just having a conversation with someone at work about this. I didn't, maybe 30 is the year of realizing things. <laughs> um, isn't that astute? 30 is the year of realizing things. But I realized that I put a lot of extra pressure on thinking about being a comic as a lady. Hmm. Like, okay, well, I'm going to have to like figure out a way to be funny because... Uh, that won't be unappealing to a, a huge audience because there aren't very right. many lady comics and they're comparing you to these exactly broy bros on either uh-huh. side of you yep and also like uh i don't uh, the things that i think about and the things i think are funny are not necessarily always specific to my gender but so what if they are and mm-hmm. what's wrong with that yeah i felt like i had to work I had to be twice as funny. Mm-hmm. That's what I felt like if I was going to do this because you only get maybe one comic who's a lady. Maybe yeah. On the show. I remember I went to the comedy cellar once just on my own on the night I had off. And I remember looking at the lineup and being like, man, really not one gal? Not one? Yeah. A whole evening of stand-up and not one gal. That's... And I went and it was, it was all men. And they were funny um, talking about dude stuff. Um, and they were all funny. And then I remember just as I was about to be like, well, fuck this, um, the MC came up looking a little like pale and surprised. It was like, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to interrupt the lineup for a second. Uh, please welcome to the stage, Louis CK. And Louis CK. Oh my God. Got up. I know I was, I was sitting like 10 feet away and, um, and he got up and did like half an hour of new stuff. And it, it was not anything to do with him being a dude mm-hmm. or a male person like or any kind of like gender it was it was so uh god i'm such a douche it was so human <laughs> you know <laughs> no I mean? he's but amazing he's, he's just, amazing i was watching it and i was like oh man yeah he has a different perspective yeah and uh i also think about him because i love watching louis ck's old stuff um mm-hmm. when he was like 20 22 25 i haven't seen he, it oh god it's the best he talks about like cars and you could tell like he's i mean he's figuring out he's figuring out like what what's his and not that you have to have a thing but he's figuring he was figuring out what what he had to say and i think about that all the time because if you saw vi- footage of him when he was so young and then now it's like oh my god you know all that work had to go in for him to be able to talk right. about what he talks about now he it's put like, he put in the time yeah and I think, to be honest with you, and it's a part that I'm... Here's another little dark side thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like when it comes to stand-up stuff and wanting to do that, I know that I'm, like, at the bottom of Everest. And I'm looking up. And it's like... 
you're gonna have to start climbing at some point yeah like there's not they're not gonna build an elevator they're not gonna well because when did you first start like pursuing it in any way because you spent Um, undergrad and grad school pursuing traditional acting yeah I used to this is gonna sound real dumb but I used to um when I was in high school, uh-huh. uh, used to like MC- in Texas, yeah. obviously, guys. Yeah. <laughs> when I was in high school, um, they used to have, uh, oh my God, they used to have my friend Matt and I, who were the only kind of like, the, not the only, but we were like the two drama club kids. Yeah. And they would have us like MC, like the drumline concert oh. and the talent show. So we like MC, See, like didn't realize right. like that was what we were doing stand up. Right. And then we did like, oh God, just. We did a lot. Like, there were some I, inklings. Totally. Like the opportunity to write material and then deliver it. Mm-hmm. I, I did that like since I was in high school and um, a little bit in, like not in college really, but in grad school, I would go to the comedy store in La Jolla on their open mic nights and mm-hmm. that will, that'll make a woman out of you. That'll, <laughs> that'll whew, Lord. Um, and so I thought, well, I'm moving to New York. I'll just, I'll just keep, I'll keep doing it. And then I just got stuck. So I feel like I'm just now sort of like peeling my feet off the ground and like, I just need to start climbing and not be so like, cause what it is, it's like, I'm so mad that I'm still at base camp. Right. That's what it feels like. Right. And only I can like change that. But it's also exciting that you're yeah, it's exciting. about to like really try it again yeah. or really commit yourself. And... I just need to leave base camp. I mean, that's the thing. I I know someone has mentioned it on the podcast before about that Ira Glass quote. Mm. Oh, yeah. I think you and I have talked oh. about it before, about how, like, oh, yes. you need to not be afraid of being bad at something. Yeah, and not going to suck. Yeah, and not being as, like, not being as good as your taste at the beginning. Yes. Yeah. Because, what is it, like, because your aesthetic is killer. It's yeah. got you into the game. Right. You're just going to make You're not going to be there for a while. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And, that's, and it's true. It's hard, especially especially when you've put in the time with other things, yeah. even if it's close to this thing, like acting is close yeah. to comedy, et cetera. But yeah. um, it doesn't mean you've you're at the same level with this this element uh, yet. No, and even uh, my God, and you have to forgive yourself for that. Yeah, and the especially with writing shitty plays, which is my new favorite thing to do. <laughs> and by favorite, I mean the worst and the best. <laughs> it's the worst. Um, but it, if you're doing it, God, that's step oh, number one. So oh, God. Step number I, one. I read some of the stuff I wrote and was like, oh, just, just like, <laughs> open the window, put your hand no. in, close the window on your own hand, slap yourself in the face. This is so bad. But now, just think, now you have that, whatever that was, or that draft, it's out of the way. Yeah. The next is. thing you write, it's going to be a little bit better than that. Yeah. And, and there's this... um. There's this writer uh, who I love named Linda Berry. Have you heard of Linda Berry? Oh, oh, so great. She's a, I think she's like a creative writing professor in Wisconsin. I can't remember where <laughs> she is, but um, somewhere with, I don't know, somewhere where I imagine somewhere with cheese. Live. Yeah, with cheese curds and writing. Yeah. And she writes all about her experiences um, feeling like, a, like she was a terrible artist. She also draws. Um, and sketches and she's like I'm really terrible at drawing and I'm not a very good writer um, and she stumbled across this actually years ago she stumbled across this I'm probably butchering this and I know she's listening so, <laughs> Linda Berry, I'm so I sorry mean... I'm butchering your story and that you're listening right so she came across this like Japanese exercise for um, artists 
Uh, it was called one, uh, no, what's it called? 100 demons, I think is the exercise. And you're supposed to just draw your demons. Um, what do they look like to you and physicalize them and make them into little demons. Hmm. So all the bad thoughts you have, like try to, if that feeling or thought was an image and a demon, what would it look like? And you just draw them and you draw 100 of them. And what she said, what I think what I'm trying to remember what she said, but like that seeing them makes them not so awful and scary because you're drawing them and you've taken artistic power over them. And, and her other thing is that you have to, it goes into like, you have to make a lot of stuff before you make anything that's worth any, worth a damn. And that anybody can write and anybody can draw. You just have to have something to say. Mm -hmm. And you've got to find what that is that you want to say. And maybe you won't find that until your 100th journal entry or your sixth shitty play. But that what you just have to find what it is you have to say. And I think that was another dark thing for me was I don't know what I have. I know there are things I want to say, but does anyone want to hear them? And does it matter to anybody else? And yeah, Yeah. it matters to me, but like, why do I need other people to see it? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, or not being able to articulate what, yeah. like you have some sort of feeling, but not being able to articulate oh, what yeah. you want to say. It's the and... worst when you sit down and you have this idea and you sit down and it's suddenly in two dimension on, in front of you on a notepad or a screen and you're like, that blows. Yeah. That was not, that does not look like what I had in my head. Yeah. And I think eventually you just have to like keep drawing those demons. Mm-hmm. You just keep, keep drawing them, keep writing them. And um, eventually, even if it's shitty, Maybe you'll have enough to do something where you can be like, you yeah. want to see? That's so it interesting. Is? I don't know. I don't know. I'm still. I'm picturing that. Monsters Inc. now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I love the receptionist. Yeah. That was from, the, the woman that's like next. I don't remember. She came over and it was just fantastic. Uh, um, yeah. So that's the dark side. Gotcha. Me. Gotcha. <laughs> so, I mean, we already talked about your brilliant mom for a second. Oh, yeah. But how does your family relate to you being an artist? Um, I think they're just a little bit like, oh man, it's like a, uh, how do I put this? They're really positive about being slightly disappointed. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, no, 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 I mean this, like, I mean this, and I think they were like, well, we encourage this to a degree, and maybe there's a time right. where because you started said, when you were yeah, a kid, yeah, yeah, and I think they're like. Oh, because we're in Texas, are you from again? Corpus Christi. That's right. Which is down on the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. Um, and I think they, no, they were, they were really into, I, I mean, when I was a kid, like four, five years old, like I remember being like, I'm Raggedy Ann in the school play. I can't wait. I get to wear yeah. a wig and get to say funny lines. And I was five, you know, like who, I recognized that moment. Like I remember, I don't remember much about being five. I don't know about you <laughs> But I remember putting on that wig and feeling like, it's my time. Like, I'm going to crush this. I'm going to be adorable. I just, uh, I remember watching people on TV or in movies and being like, I want to do that. Yeah. I can, I can fake that. Yeah, I can do that. Um, and I knew that I wanted to be in high school drama club. That's what I wanted so badly to be in the drama club and do plays. And that's all I wanted to do. And so I, I did that. And did like speech and debate in high school and all that stuff, and um, and then when it came time to like go to college, I remember thinking like, well, 
okay, so what else do I like? Because you can't major in that. Yeah, um, that's what I, I did too. could, but I knew, like, to me that meant um, uh, going to some school that I didn't really know much about that was in a city on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, I remember when I was in, like, eighth grade looking at the Juilliard pamphlet. <laughs> and being like, Juilliard. Except I think I called it Juilliard. Um, <laughs> because I didn't know what it was, but I knew that lots of lots of actors went there, and that's mm-hmm. what you do. Um, but I was I was going to major in I was going to go to UT Austin and major in political science and try to minor in theater, but yeah. they don't they don't do that. Mm-hmm. The communications and the theater department do not mix. And I remember having to make a choice and um, going up to interview, like skipping a day of school my senior year to go like try to talk to the theater department about can I what can I do? And um, they were like, well, we're going to be at this thespian festival, so you can go there. You can, we'll give you a time slot there. I was like, okay. So I drove to Austin to this thespian festival. I had no idea what it was. And I was wearing my suit because I was a speech kid. I was wearing my suit, <laughs> my, my suit, and uh, it looked like an extra off the West Wing. And I showed up, and it was all these like people in yoga pants and like sparkle shirts, and like it was just everyone. And I was like sitting there in a black Republican suit waiting for UT. <laughs> they never showed up. You never fucking showed up. I know. They're they lost. They owe me a $50 deposit. They're lost. If you're listening, UT, you owe me $50. Send a check to Astoria. And like, no shit, though, I could use that. That'd be nice. <laughs> if you can just, uh, we'll find each other. Um, and so I ran into a couple of other speech kids at that Thespian Festival and was like, well, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm here. I drove four hours to Austin. Uh-huh. Here I am in this suit. I don't know what to do. And they were like, there are these scholarship auditions that are happening. You should just do it. Just audition. It's free. I was like, uh, okay. And uh, so I'm in this suit. And uh, all I have, all I have in my brain are these, like, speech pieces that I did. And one was about, like, a conjoined twin. And the other was about this, like, postmenopausal cat lady. And I was like, that'll work. That'll be perfect. Uh, and you had one minute. So I did 30 seconds of, like, a conjoined twin monologue where I was, like, craned over. It was fucked up. And then I did 30 seconds of, like, I'm done with menopause. Cats. One minute. Yeah, Jesus. One minute. And then I remember feeling like, that was probably really bad. But I feel okay. That's okay. <laughs> this is all okay. And so I finished and was like, no, forget it. It's, and you did in this ballroom. It was this huge ballroom and this little rickety stage. And it was a cattle call. You went up one at a time in front of like a hundred people. Something. Oh my god! Looking back on it, it feels like a Super Bowl audience. Of, like of course, collegiate theater educators. But uh, I remember getting done and being like, "All right, there goes that." And then um, getting a little call back from a little school in Indiana called the University of Evansville, and uh, Charlotte Cavan was like, "Jessica Watkins, please uh, come chat with me for a second. And like, <laughs> took me by the elbow and led me to the Dom John David Boots. They were like, okay, so that was very interesting. And um, <laughs> Charlotte told me the story once I love where uh, apparently they get like sheets, little information sheets mm-hmm. on each auditioner and they kind of rifle through as you go. And on mine, he had circled because they were like, what are you planning on majoring in college? And I was like, political science. And he like, when I walked up on stage, Charlotte said that he had like circled political science and said she should probably stick with that <laughs> um, as I was walking up to the stage. <laughs> Fair enough, Lutz. Oh, Lutz. Fair enough. He does like having like some intellectual oh, students, though, in the yeah. drama department. Yeah, right? I mean, come on. But I the mean, suit. You know, the the West Wing extra suit. Yeah, totally. I mean, I he, like, You sold him. I was getting shit done. Yeah. In my suit, my shoulder pads. and CJ Craig. Yeah, CJ Craig. 
<laughs> yes. But they, uh, and then they talked to me, and I remember leaving and being like, oh, okay. Oh, okay, this seems cool. Uh, and so I called my mom, and she was like, get get home. You are not, what? You're not going to school in Evanston. And I'm like, no, it, it's not, never done that. It's fine. Uh, they said Evanston. Different, until, different I state. Yeah, they said different Evanston I state. Like, until I was a junior. Yeah. So it's like, it's above the Mason Dix, and they're like, we don't know. We do not know. We don't care. It's fine. You're not going there. Um, but I went there, and it was the best thing that ever happened. I lucked out with It was a pretty man. amazing school. Yeah. Oh. I lucked out hard. I feel like we lucked out. But I feel like the most confusing thing for our families is after you're out of school. Oh, yeah. Because school, like, they, okay, they understand school. They understand yeah. the structure of school, and there's then there's an end date and a, a goal, and you get the diploma. I think, and I think they thought, I think they thought, like, And you oh, went to okay. UCSD for grad school, mm-hmm. so they had probably understood that. But. Grad school was a turning point for them, I think. I think that... Yeah. I think that, and I'm speaking for them, but uh, my parents are, my parents are the most supportive people. I'm just want to make that clear like yeah. they are the most supportive and I've always said even though my mom like I'll be like mom I thought of this bit okay what do you think about this and I I'll love that you sh- like, I love that you share oh, all these like, things with her oh, that's beautiful my mom. I'm shameless. <laughs> like I'm shameless with her I'm like I thought of this bit and I'll like deliver it and be super proud of it and she'll be like okay all right and I'll be like you the she's like well maybe you should end all your jokes with something along like you should have a tagline that's like you should have been there and I was like oh, <laughs> Moms She's... always have the best <laughs> ideas. Maybe you should involve that Maybe into your routine. Should. Oh my god, I can't wait. It's um, no, they're super oh, I want to meet your mom. But I do think that they worry because it's such foreign territory to them. No. And it's unpredictable and it's can be punishing. Yeah, and they're, and, they're, and my, uh, my parents are very much like reasonable, very smart, practical people who worked really hard their whole lives to you mm-hmm. know, like live a life and I think um, for me, having the luxury of choosing what I want to do and what I love yeah. over what will absolutely uh, allow me employment um, is something that they've, uh, I don't know, I feel like really privileged to have had parents that are like, okay, all right, go for it. Yeah. Um, all the while, like, being very concerned um, because there's just, there's stuff that, you know, that doesn't make sense about what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, that just it just doesn't make sense. But they're they're very supportive. They're worried as hell, but they're very yeah, very supportive. And you can be both at the same time. Yeah, and they love it. They, they, I mean, they love they love plays and they love things like that. They've gotten into it, and they'll like tell me if they like, oh, I was seeing a flight tonight, and I'd be like, oh, okay. oh really? Yeah, and they'd go to like the local Methodist oh, church that's great. in almost Maine, and they're like, it's good, <laughs> it's good. It's good. Your dad enjoyed it. I enjoyed myself. Like they're very, like sweet and very supportive. And um, but they're they worry. Yeah, there's a lot of worry. Yeah, and I think especially recently when I've been when my mom has been like, "Are you riding?" And I'm like, "Yes." She's like, "Okay." Yeah. I think they there's like light at the end of the tunnel for them to know that I put my energies in other places too. Well, this is several topics at once. But yes, speaking please. of them being worried, but it's been a hard year for you. Because mm. you had you had this injury that happened almost a year ago, oh, yes. and then wrapped up in that, I also want to talk about day job stuff. Oh yeah, oh totes. But you're like coming out of that year now, yeah. Because you bounded up the stairs to my apartment, oh, I did. like a champ oh, yeah. tonight, God. <laughs> which I haven't seen in a while. So. Um, it's uh, yeah. So a year ago, um, I was 
I, I waited. I guess, I don't know, maybe it's like self-fulfilling prophecy or something, but I always imagined myself, um, my plan was like, oh, I'll move to New York and I'll get a table waiting job. Like, I always knew that's what I do. I also do I mean, that's like the basic yeah, go-to day job. Yeah. And so I thought, you know, it's flexible, it's evenings, you know, I can, I can, I think I can do it. And, um, so I waited tables for, my first job in the city was Trader Joe's in the Upper West Side. Oh, that's right. I was right. a part-time crew member at Trader Joe's. Um, and I made 14 cents an hour. What's... <laughs> um, partially true <laughs> um I don't oh god it's ugh. and then um I started uh waiting tables and um I have a very um Brendan Spieth talked about this and I really loved what he said about it but there's a I had a a kind of a I don't know I really threw myself into it hmm. um, for better or for worse um meaning that I uh I cared a lot about doing a good job and I wanted to be good at it, and I wanted to not let anyone down, and um, so I really cared about doing a good job. Uh, at the same time, that makes you a little batshit crazy when you're waiting tables. If you're like, yeah. I'm going to do everything perfectly. It's, like, it's oh, also impossible, it's impossible in that situation to do everything perfectly. Yeah, and so, um, and so I think I had a real like stressful time of it for a while, and um, then at my last, the last couple places I was at, I got really into wine, mm-hmm. and that felt a little better to have something that I really cared about and I kind of always cared about people's dining experiences because I know how it feels to sit everyone knows how it feels to sit at a restaurant and kind of be treated like shit and right. I just never wanted I always wanted to have someone you know wait on me and if I'm going to go out and spend the money to go out as a treat like have it be good and mm-hmm. so that's what I always tried to do and the people are fucking amazing like it's an amazing group of people. I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting so many wonderful people and being a regular at a lot of great bars. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the Brooklyn Inn. And, um, <laughs> just so wonderful. But at the same time, I knew that I was my I was wearing thin in yeah. that area. Like I start, I started losing my patience. I started getting really uh, unnecessarily like heavy at work, and I knew it was because it was time for a change. Yeah. And I remember thinking man, I, I don't know what else to do. I don't know how to get out of this because it is to, it's the best money you'll make yeah. um, in the city. I know that it's hard, but it's the best money you'll make. And so on a night off work, about a year ago, I had a night off work and I had this like meeting with a theater company and it was so fun and having a night off and was going to meet up with a friend and then that fell through. I was like, that's okay. I'll just get on the subway and go home and I'll have a nice early night in. It'll be so nice. I'll maybe go to my neighborhood restaurant and get something to eat and then I'll go home. And I walked it was one of those February nights that um, it was like it snowed and then sleeted and then rained and then froze and then snowed again. So that everything looked kind of like a the frosting looking snow on like Hobby Lobby home mm-hmm. decorations. Um, and I remember being very cautious because I am a Texan, so I don't trust ice on the floor. <laughs> um, but I was like, I was walking and I was going to the subway stop and I uh, took like two steps and then slipped on ice and fell all the way down the stairs. Oh my God. And I broke my ankle in a couple of places and I remember like when it happened I remember um thinking like okay okay so this is something that's happened I, I think terrifying. I was in a bit of a blackout um and I remember thinking like because I was holding on to the handrail and being so careful anyway, right it, but it it's um like my whole life changed in mm-hmm. that 0.5 seconds um because I I like tried to get up and was like, nope, nope, can't do that. 
And then um, I was like, oh, I know. Because I, I think I was in shock. I sat there for like maybe a half an hour. It was like oh my God. degrees outside. Well, it was like after midnight. No one so was nobody around. came by? No. Uh-uh, no one was around. I was all the way down the stairs. And I remember Lance like sitting there going, okay, I can't get up. I'm going to try to get myself up. I couldn't get myself up the stairs. And um, I was thinking to myself, only I could just get in a cab. But I couldn't, I couldn't get up and there was no one around. And then... No kidding, a half an hour later, I was like, I'll call somebody. I'll call somebody. I should call somebody. And I was like, who do I call? I'm in the middle of nowhere, Brooklyn. Who do I call? Did you have reception on your phone? Um, Well, so (laughs) (laughs) um, I was so panicked. I was like, who do I call? Who do I call? And I can't believe I'm going to tell you this. Did I ever tell you the first call I made? You might have, but I probably forgot. Oh my God. I called my mom in Texas. I can't believe I'm t- telling you in this because I'm so embarrassed. By I understand it. that I didn't though. Know who to call? I was completely yeah. I vaguely remember. Of course, you call your mom. Yeah, and I vaguely remembered even doing this. I I was in such shock. I was yeah. like, I just need to tell someone where I am. And of course, then I like shaved three years off my mother's life because she's like, Oh God, where are you? It's midnight. Two a.m. in Texas. What are you doing? Oh jeez. And uh, then I was like, It's fine. I'm gonna be fine. If you don't hear from me, this is what's happened. And I was, it was terrible. I didn't know oh. what to do. That one was the fucking worst. I'm an asshole. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> if you hadn't called her, she would have been mad that oh. you didn't call her. I don't know. Sydney Watkins would have probably been like, I'm okay with that. I'm okay <laughs> with that. It's fine. You're alive. Um, but then uh, I went to call a friend of mine and left a very harried voicemail. He lived a couple of blocks away from where I was. And I was like, hey, I fell on the stairs. I think something awful's happened. And then it went like, it cut off. <laughs> and my phone died. Oh, Jesus. Not because of battery, but because it was two degrees outside. <gasps> iPhones will shut down if they get too hot or too cold. Really? So I ju- yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ooh. Let it be PSA. If it's cold you know, out. If it's cold outside, stay, you're Stay home. Yeah. Oh, my God. So then I was lying there, and I was like, okay, now I can panic. Also, I felt so bad because I just, like, called my mom because I was in shock and then called my friend and left this message that was like, <laughs> And now they can't call you back. And now they can't call me back. Oh, my God. So I just was at the mercy of strangers, which about an hour later, two people getting off their shift. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a long night of, of like, really looking at my life oh, and my choices. Um, and they, uh, it was a bartender in this uh, server, and they, like, had their phones, and they called my friend Evan, who's a fucking champ of people, who uh, had run to all the different subway stations because he got half oh, my message. God. Like, oh, God. And then he showed up, and they, like, carried me up the stairs. This poor gal... This poor gal had to hold my foot in place. And I remember telling her, I'm like, I'm going to say a lot of horrible things to you, but you keep going. <laughs> you, you get me up the stairs. Yeah. I swear to God. And they got me up the stairs. And he had, my friend Evan had a car, so he drove me to the Oh, hospital. thank God. Yeah. It was like 11 hours in the ER. They attempted to reset my leg to put the bones back. Um, but then after I came out of the like very heavy anesthesia they gave me, where I th- imagined them as the cast of Friends, they um they were like <laughs> I remember I woke up and they were like is she awake is she awake and I was like yeah I'm here what's up <laughs> like I was trying to be cool I don't know why you try to be cool <laughs> like I'm like they like cut my pants off got no pants on I'm like probably drooling on myself and I remember thinking like I'm cool you guys I'm cool come I'm on cool. and they were like come on Phoebe and I remember them saying like hey it's that thing we tried to do it didn't quite work so you're gonna be in a lot of pain but oh. here's some crutches and you should have surgery see ya and then they they sent you home oh yeah. They gave me crutches, and they were like, you're going to need to have surgery, so best of luck. And then I, like, after 11 hours in the ER, I, like, crutched out. It was iced everywhere. I didn't, my phone was dead. I had no cash. And I had to figure out how to get home. Oh, yeah. It was 
Jeez. It was a it was a very enlightening time about like the resilience and fragility yeah. of the human being. That's true. Um, but like I, I still to this day I don't know how like I got myself to a cab and up my stairs. How? I do not know. I don't know how I did it. I don't remember. But how. then you were basically in some way incapacitated almost oh, yeah. an entire year. Yeah. Oh totally. Yeah, I couldn't do anything. I was in my room for like three months. I would go to doctor's appointments. I would like call a buddy and like take a cab and go to doctor's appointments. And then I had surgery like two and a half weeks after oh my it God. happened. Um, and then you had to find a new day job, obviously, because oh, yeah. you couldn't oh, wait yeah, tables. No, I called my, I called my uh, restaurant that I was at for three years, um, which is one of my favorite places, uh, Rukla in Brooklyn. Go there. It's delicious. <laughs> um, I love that place. I love, I, I mean, I don't know. It was, it was a rough point in my life, but I love that place. I still do. Um, I remember calling and being like, hey, you guys, so I can't come to work tonight or maybe ever again. They were like, okay, yeah, no, you do you. You do what you need to. I remember thinking, I gotta get out of restaurants. I gotta get out. It's like, it's just not good for me. I think it hits a point for everybody where it's like not good for you anymore. If it's not your calling, if it's not, right. your, if it's not your passion, you get to a point where you're just not good at it anymore because you're, you're in the wrong spot. Right. You know? Or you can't compartmentalize that right. part of your life and anymore. And that's what was happening. I was working a lot because working a lot distracts me from things I'm not doing. And so I've really thrown, I've always done this to day jobs. I've thrown myself in and I was looking for a way out and I, I just should have been more specific about how. Is what I should have done. Um, should have been more specific about how. But um, yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I was a, I was a server before the injury. How are you feeling now that you're like physically um, kind of good? It will. It's kind of back. Yeah, I'm, is that I'm, true? Back to where you were almost. I'm. I'm not quite back to where I was. It's still going to be a thing. Yeah. Like it's still like I can't. I can't. Like I desperately want to go to a yoga class, and I think I can. I just have to be um, aware that, like, it's just it's the mobility part is really tough. Yeah. It's just tough to like, uh, just move the same way that I used to move. Mm-hmm. And I, and I loved like, I love movement stuff. Like I, that was some of my favorite was very physicalized. Um, I love that stuff. And it's, it's tough to not be able to do that the way I used to. I'd like to be able to get back there again. Yeah. Things are, things are much better than they were. And I look back and I'm like, man, my life now is so, uh, I don't want to say like so much better, but it's just so different in a good way Yeah. after that. So while it was a terrible thing, um, m- my friends and people I love kind of helped me make the best of that. And I watched all of The Sopranos, <laughs> which is fucking delicious. If you have it, like the grandparent of all great TV. But I, I did a lot of thinking. I think I had to like come to terms with a lot of things. Yeah, you know, like sitting by yourself. It made you slow down like room. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I we, can... we were forced to take the time. Yeah. Can you tell them a little bit about what you're doing now for money? Yes. I um, I am a legal assistant at a very large law firm that is very fancy. <laughs> I am not fancy. I am but a minion. But I work... Uh, but I, they pay you yeah, to be a minion. They pay me. I'm a, I'm a fancy minion. No, I edit, I proofread and edit legal documents. And I um, do this thing called site checking, which I mm-hmm. check uh, attorney's references to different cases and it's a little it's just a touch 
researchy, but mainly just kind of fact-checky and proofreading, which I realized I take great joy in telling people <laughs> where to put commas and how to use semicolons <laughs> and all those things. Um, so it's it's a really good job for me. It is overnights, which a lot of people are like, right. ooh, but I'm a night person. I always have been. So it's how's, kind it, of... how's it going now? Because now you've been doing it for a yeah. while. Oh, yeah. How many months? Um, Almost 10 months. Nine months oh my God, months. yeah, almost 10 months. A while. It's good. I mean, and I know you said at some point you'll get to move, if you want, to a different schedule. Yeah, yeah. hopefully hopefully after some time, if I'm in good standing and doing yeah. a good job, yeah. then I'll um, maybe not have to be on overnights forever. But for now, I actually don't mind it. Everyone really? there is like an actor, artist, person. Hmm. And so it just feels like a, it, it feels a little bit like maybe That's like fascinating. legal assistant camp at night. Um, Do you kind of like when you're going to and from the office at those weird hours of the yeah, day? It's really nice because there's no one around. It's, yeah, and I see sunrise every morning. I remember in high school, I used to work at this little tiny bake shop in our small town in Michigan. Oh, yeah. And like on That's the week on the weekends, go on. I was homeschooled, so I could I could have a job during the day. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> but on the weekends, I'd I'd like open it, and it'd be like six a.m. or something, oh. and I'd. I drive down like downtown Clarkston. I could park the car and literally like walk down Main Street, like in the middle of the street, and no cars would come by. And it was kind of magical. I've always loved the off hours. I've always loved being in a place when no one's like when it fakes no one's looking. Yeah, it's like behind the scenes. Yeah, I I love that. (laughs) I love I love. uh, I was just gonna say I love Times Square. I (laughs) I take it. Please don't say that. that. You take that. That kind of talk is um, not allowed on this podcast. Get out. The compass will show you what direction to go. <laughs> um, it's it's just, uh, it's a totally different, and I used to, sometimes I would see the sunrise, but it was because I was a regular at a bar <laughs> uh, a number of evenings. But I, it is, um, oh, it's fucking beautiful. Yeah. Oh, man. To just see it without all the people. Sometimes they'll buy me a cab because they're very generous. Um <laughs> And I get to just watch the sunrise every morning and see the city in a way that I maybe thought that I would when I was younger, looking at Juilliard pamphlets <laughs> and bedrooms. We like to Prince call it Juilliard. Oh, Juilliard. Excuse me. Yes. Um, no, but I just, I just remember being like, thinking, God, I hope one day I live in New York City. I don't know how I would do it. Hmm. And back then I was just thinking about logistics. I was like, I guess I get a moving truck. And then I guess I put all my stuff in a moving truck and then I have to drive it. Too. I, was thinking, <laughs> I wasn't even thinking like, if I can get there... Like, just metaphorically, like, I was thinking about... You were dedicated. Oh, no, I remember being in junior high and being like, I guess, how much does a moving truck cost? Like, <laughs> I remember thinking about that. Um, but just getting to see it uh, through the eyes of that, like, little rent t-shirt wearing Jess that yeah. always wanted to live in New York. And, like, just sometimes looking back and seeing the Chrysler Building yeah. or the Empire State and a sunrise, it just... I, there's nothing like it. I'll be grateful for that the rest of my life, being able to see that. Well, and is there is there a difference, like, not having to deal with the public every day, too, in that oh, job? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. I'm dealing with a very specific kind of public, which is... Right, you still have people that you are beholden to and right. who are senior to you, but, you know, waiting tables is a very specific thing. Yeah, waiting tables... Um, and people, people anyone, can feel very entitled. Yeah, anyone who worked with me would probably, like have a good chuckle with themselves because I have shown some ugly sides of myself. <laughs> uh, I actually had a, a, a name that way. My, I called it my Yelp name, which is if I got like 
uh, out of line, let's say, uh, with a guest, um, and they were like, excuse me, what is your name? I'd be like, Candace, C-A-N-D-A-C-E, Candace. And um, there were some regulars who called me Candace because they thought that was my name, and I felt really bad. You're like, that, that wasn't meant for you. It Candace wasn't, wasn't meant for you. They they'd be like, oh, what's her name? And they'd be like, oh, well, she told us her name was Candace. And I'd be like, yes, I am Candace. Um, but it came out like inside thing. Candace, the yeah, Yelp Candace. monster. Oh, my boss used to be like, oh, okay, Candace. Like, they called the kitchen. That's adorable. Candace is great. Oh, it's great. Um, but I just, I, I, man, the people, there is nothing funnier. There is nothing funnier. I've never laughed so hard in my life than a night at a restaurant <laughs> on a crazy ass night, which is every night. Crazy ass night where everything is going to go wrong every night. That's the thing about restaurants is that I can tell, I, there are so many times where I was like, man, I wish, I wish I could just write down exactly what happened tonight because I have never, every night is a catastrophe and you're just trying to get through it without anyone yeah. quitting, setting the place on fire or like complaining about you too much you, uh and 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 everyone it's like true it's like being a, in a very safe war um, <laughs> where you have this camaraderie with the kitchen and uh camaraderie with each other and uh just trying to like get through the night every night and that i i do miss that that was yeah Man, yeah. So what's, yeah, what's the juxtaposition between that and what you have now? What are um, the positives of where you are now? Well, the positives of now are that I, uh, the positives of now are that when you're winning tables, uh, you have to do 15 things at one time, but you have to, uh, and you are just, uh, running, running the entire night and it is, um, and trying to be, uh, not let uh, everyone down because that because right. you're the kitchen is counting on you and those guys work harder than anybody else and gals um, and your manager is counting on you the guests are counting on you and you are you are every everything to everyone mm-hmm. all the time and especially when you're kind of like a chatty asshole like me where I'm like how are you guys doing um, and they were like oh my god are you an actor and I'm like Ugh. and you're trying to like, move <laughs> along Ugh. and um, so that there was a kind of constant panic and a bit of dread every time I went into work and about just how all of that can crumble. Now I go to work calm um, Hmm. because even though the things that I'm doing, there is pressure and there is a time restraint there, there are things, but it's, um, it's, it's, Oh God, I don't even know how to, they're so different. I mean, I'm still like waiting on lawyers, but I'm not like worried about, getting them their rosé in time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm sitting and I can listen to music or a podcast like this one. <laughs> and um, I can work on something that's challenging in a very different way. Because waiting tables is, I mean, it is it's a done f- well. Yeah, it's like a physical a challenge. Place, it's physical and mental. Mm-hmm. And you have to be on it. Uh, especially where I worked, um, the places that I've worked, you, you have to be you are 120% there. And if you're not, you're letting someone down the guest and your coworkers. I mean, it's, you have to be there. And at this job, it's just, a am allowed to, um, kind of just, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's not a, it's not a constant panic. And I feel like I'm working on stuff that's educational and challenging. And yeah. Interesting. Um, so it's just different. I, man, there and were, that's valuable though. Yeah. 
I know that constant panic can be addicting in some ways. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it, it also can't can't be good for your you know for your body and for your for your mind and your my, anxiety. I had some really dear friends at the last place I worked at. Um, one of whom is a visual artist named Jeremy, um, and he sent me an article once, uh, or maybe we both read it. We called each other at the same time. <laughs> He's wonderful, and he. It was this article about how that you said it could be addicting, mm-hmm. and when you're given an impossible task like you're going to wait on a hundred people tonight in two hours and it better be perfect and the kitchen's expecting this and you're, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and when you get good at it and you can, uh, do that job well, it becomes your focus. It's like having blinders on your focus is on that one thing and it's right. like a game. Right. And it's like, I'm going to win. Uh-huh. I'm going to win this yeah. game. And it can be dangerous because yeah. That tunnel vision can really cut away everything else in your life. And mm-hmm. I noticed that's when I kind of got into a funk because I really let mm-hmm. I really let the rest of me, like I was watching that subway car zoom by, I let the, mm-hmm. the rest of me fall away because I felt like, man, I'm kind of not so shitty at something. I mean, I'm pretty shitty at it, but I can do something No, but well. it gave you a sense of accomplishment. Yeah. And with this new job, do you feel like when you're done with your shift, you can like walk oh, away? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And leave it behind. Oh, yeah. And here's the great thing about this is that unlike waiting tables, which I think you can you can be really good at. You can always get better. But once you get pretty good at it, you're, you're there. With this, I mean, I'm not – I this is going to shock, especially, like, my parents. I did not go to law school. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a cap on what I can do, and, and, I, and I appreciate that cap because it's a constant reminder. And the people I work with are creative geniuses and – really great creative people who are driven and um, people who make films and actors and writers and uh, mm-hmm. and it's really inspiring because they themselves go to work and then when they're done, they're done and they put it away and there's no uh, you can better yourself at it but at the same time it is nice to go like no 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 that's that lives there and when I'm not there I'm doing the other thing Right. and they hold there's a sense of holding each other accountable those things too. Wow. Um, just because it's a calmer environment, it's a quieter, calmer environment, and you can allow yourself to think about things. You know, it's it's a it's very different. I call it a unicorn job because I've had friends that had these like awesome sounding jobs, like oh, I make a million dollars an hour, and right? I make, <laughs> Like I make someone coffee. And, and like, then oh, I'm, I'm yes. working on my own thing under yeah. the table. Oh, to be an artist in this city, you depend on, I mean, it drives me fucking bananas when I hear people being like, man, I'm just like not working. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? How do you live here? Yeah. How do you live here? It's, I don't know. It's expensive. And um, it's, you have to have, especially if you're like, uh, I, don't, I don't know, unless you're independently wealthy, you have to have, mm-hmm. you have to have a job. So of all the jobs, this one is, it's, uh, it's striking gold. I'm so glad like, it's, it's worked great, out. It's a great place to be. Um, I highly recommend that if anyone needs a place to work, let me know. <laughs> um, it's just, it's a good spot. Yeah. I feel really lucky. I feel like it's a, like a, I turned 30 this year and, um, it's the year of realizing things and, uh, yeah, yes. And I feel like, I feel like I'm in a much better place than I thought I would be. Um, and being able to walk is <laughs> huge, huge. Well, yeah. Very important. And I'm so glad. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. 
Um, good. All in all, all in all, really good. Just really grateful for a lot of things. We've talked a lot about like in um, things you do alone or like mm-hmm. individual things about where you are right now, but I wanted to ask you a little bit about the group lab. Yeah. Because I know that's like a different kind of artistic outlet you have and a oh, community yeah. that you've built. Oh, yeah. So how is how is that added to your life? Man, I'm really glad you asked about Group Lab, and I'm a little embarrassed. Sorry, Labbies. I'm a little embarrassed. That no, I no, this is my job. This okay. is my job. Thank you. Um, I'm leading you there. God, the Group Lab has been a real, uh, a real, like, little lifeboat. When did um, you guys start this group? Gosh, I remember we... Uh, I, was, I remember being asked to be Chet Chum, mm-hmm. Let me look it up um, for a second. <laughs> look it up, I must know. Uh, nine. I'm going to say nine, am I right? Let me guess. One second. One second. More wine. Keep that. talking. Um, I'm getting more wine. Pause. The group lab is... Uh, Vichet was episode six. Oh, episode six. Um, I'm not peeing, I'm pouring wine. <laughs> <laughs> Very close to nine. Okay, now I'm peeing. Just kidding. Still pouring wine. <laughs> Oh man, the site uh, guys. Just <laughs> great. You're welcome. Um, no, it's it, the group lab. I remember Vichet emailing me and being like, hey, I want to read a, uh, some very dramatic play in my kitchen in Brooklyn when he lived in like Greenpoint. Um, can you come? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And there was, I can't remember who was there. I, no, it was uh, Vichet and myself. And we read some very serious, intense play. And it was really fun. And in his kitchen, and I remember him saying something along the lines of like, "I wish we could do this more often. I wish that, I wish that this was something we did more regularly." And um, him also mentioning like, "Maybe we will. Maybe we'll do this." And then the next thing I know, um, we're getting together with a bunch of people at the place of his uh, employment, Pediatrics, mm-hmm. who's very generous, and mm-hmm. wonderful group. And uh, we read this play, and afterwards he was like, "I'd like to, I'd like to make this a thing, you know, and if you're interested." I can't remember who I was there, but the core nine folks who were still in it were all there. And um, we just kind of kept meeting. And Vichet would send out an email saying, hey, let's meet. And we would all just kind of keep showing It's pretty up. impressive for such a large group. Like yeah. nine, and, nine is actually a large oh, yeah. group to be like the core. And seven of us were in the same class at Evansville, mm-hmm. um, which is remarkable. That's really and special. Really yeah, that you're all still special. in each other's lives. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, also, Kyle Schaefer, uh, who's a group one member, um, he works with me at my job, and we like sit next to each other sometimes, and it's like my greatest joy because um, we moved in together. It is like day. friends. Oh my god, it's the best! <laughs> like it's it's awesome. It's so great. Um, apart from being one of my favorite people, it's just so nice to have you know have a friend pal. Um, but it but yeah, so we went to undergrad together, and now and then there's uh, uh, chat who is your behind my group my class and then uh matt murphy who did not go to evansville but uh did in his heart (laughs) he also works for the law firm and we sit by each other and it's wonderful um i think like 35 percent of the group lab have worked at this law firm so hey whatever we're taking over um but we just kind of kept meeting and there was a lot of discussion and apprehension i think at first about what are we what are we because we knew a lot of people right companies and it's like what's our statement what do we do? We need to produce something. And I remember we tried to put on a play towards the beginning and quickly realized this is not what we want to do that, but this, this is not the time or the place for us. And as we continued to have conversations, we realized 
that maybe there are other areas in which we can use our time together. Um, for me, I, I think we can only speak for ourselves about what it does for what the group is to each of us. I think it's a little different for everybody, mm -hmm. which I think is healthy and good. Um, for me, it's just having, uh, which is part of our mission statement. We do have a tiny statement. An artistic home. And I feel yeah, like... That's huge. God, I feel like there are times where when I first moved here, I would go months without seeing like mm -hmm. a friend or if I'd see like a friend and then it would be another year before I see them again. And, and it's so wonderful to have, uh, like a, just a group like that you know is there yeah. and that we have committed, we've committed a certain amount to each other and, um, we, it's just having a, I don't know, like a little fraternity in a way. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. but, but, but not. But it's, it's like it's a just, think tank and it yeah. holds you accountable oh, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And having a, having a, like, I, I want to do this thing. Well, let's, let's do this thing. How are we going to do this thing? And a place to take your ideas and a place to have your work read and, um, an excuse to see your friends. And I, I know I'm belittling it when I say that. But I, no, I, but I, in I New York, it's actually strangely yeah. difficult to see and your friends. To see your friends and, and especially your like artist actor friends who can get spread out so much. And, yeah. Everyone's um, so busy. Yeah. When people move to Brooklyn, I'm like, really nice knowing you. Really, no, no, I'm just kidding. But it's like, it's really hard yeah. to keep in touch with people. And it's such a proactive, um, helpful, positive way mm -hmm. to keep tabs on each other and to keep each other together. And, um, are you guys working on anything right now? We are working on a retreat. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, yeah. We, we, Always good. We've got some plans. We've got some plans good. about things to do this year. So we're going to go off and like fuck off for like Well, I'm excited. I'm excited and, to hear about yeah, them when you solidify the plans. Yeah, it's just, um, I, I love that group of people so much and feel so lucky that we've committed a portion of ourselves to this group, whatever it is. Right. Um, it just it's just really special to have that connection after all that time yeah you know? it's nice to have people who knew you when too yeah. like those people oh, knew yeah. you when you were 18 oh absolutely and, I love that and oh just to be especially in this huge city where sometimes you can feel like you're you know a speck of dust yeah it, it's uh, having that group for um for support but also like the history of each other and at this point we've been a group so long that we have you know history as the group which is mm -hmm. really great i just i love that group so much and i hope that it um i hope we stay together forever <laughs> i hope it never ends um no it's, it's just a it's tethered my experience so much when i was okay. floating around um afraid to leave my apartment <laughs> yeah i love i love it, watching the stuff you guys do together yeah i think the biggest thing with the group lab is storytelling well, I know Beachhead talked a little bit about the Wear Project, which oh, I yeah. love and yeah. love has people project. telling stories about where they're from. Project. And I know they've tried. <laughs> Schedules have not worked out, but it'll happen. Well, um, it yeah, I love that too. Yeah. Um, are there any concrete things that you turn to when you need, you find yourself turning to again and again when you need inspiration or you find yourself in the dark side? Yes. Yes, there are. Fine. Um, which is why tonight we're featuring a lovely red wine. This is a Beaujolais Grand Cru 2013. It's delightful. Jean Paul Brew. 
only featured on today's podcast because Jess is such a wine connoisseur. It's, just a, it's, just it's a, a lovely surprise. It's a gamay. Yeah. Um, I got into wine when I was waiting, waiting tapes. And um, it was it was something that amongst all the like crazy running around, uh, desperate sadness that <laughs> I could um, and and being kind of an idiot because the thing that people don't realize is that uh, the thing that people don't realize that's <laughs> um, <laughs> an asshole thing. It's very. Um, but something that I didn't know when I started, I was just like, well, I'll just wait tables and I'll just like you know I'll just do the job and you leave. And it's like no, it's that even though that is my like day job or night job or side gig, like those restaurants are people's lives and that is their mm-hmm. passion. And thank God, because there are some amazing ones in New York city and I've been lucky to work at them. And, um, and so I was really inspired, uh, when I worked at this place called Mylino and I got really into wine and I was a real idiot. I was an ass hat. I knew nothing about wine. No, but why would you? I don't know. No, you buy the cheapest one you can find mm-hmm. and go to Trader Joe's and that's it. Then. Yeah. Um, if you don't have money, I then just, that's what I you do. I remember hearing um, the wine director, Liz Nicholson, who's a genius, um, talk about wine in this way that I was like, oh, oh, I get that. I'm actually, you're talking about wine in a way that I get and talking about it. And I, some people, I don't know, I didn't think that it was, she, uh, she created, she put the idea in me that, like, you can talk about, if you don't know the technical stuff about it, talk about it in the way that you know. What does it remind hmm. you of? What, what, when you taste this, where do, where do you go? What does your head think about? And when you smell So it's it, creative in a way. Totally creative. Yeah. Like creative writing in a way and interpreting in this way. And I was like, oh, fuck, I can do that. Yeah. Awesome. Of course. And so I started, in order to not look like a fool... Because um, there were many a time I was like mispronouncing wine at tables and things like that. I was like, mm, Sangiovese, of course, <laughs> um, Molbuk. Uh, so I didn't want to feel like an asshat. So I, um, and I also got really into it. And so I started reading everything I could find about it. And it became a hobby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's great. I, um, yeah, man. In another, in a parallel life, I'm like fucking off somewhere in the Willamette Valley in <laughs> Oregon and like just like, screwing around with Pinot Noir. That's all I ever want to do sometimes. <laughs> um, but I get super into wine. There's still time. And I go to that. There's still I, time. No, there's still time. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I, I think about that a lot. I it, It's so helpful to have something that you care about in a different way. And wine is something that I give a huge shit about um, and care a lot about uh, appreciating and learning about and... I, I don't know. There have been, uh, oh, I can't tell you how many times uh, that I've thought, maybe that's what I should do. Yeah. Because I don't feel any anxiety when I think about this. Or maybe that's what right, I should do. Right, and it interests you. And but I'm still uh, not quite there yet. I do not know. But I do go to, I do go to wine. I like reading about it. I like thinking about it. I like drinking it. I like learning about it. Mm-hmm. I also love short stories. Uh, Tin House and McSween's and some of those other really arty publications. <laughs> stories because there's what a, what a fucking art form what an art form yeah. to pack in so much to seven or eight pages um and uh just uh the the imagination like just yeah. the yeah so i go back to i love short fiction i love short stories um i love i love reading like david rakoff 
like essayists. I mm. really do like Sarah Vowell and David Rakoff and their take on on life and things. Yeah. Um, so I end up going to kind of like personal creative nonfiction. That's what I go to, um, which I find really helpful. Yeah. Um, because odds are those folks are struggling with the same kind of stuff and working through it, and it's really nice to right. Really nice to read that. Um, I. I don't know, it's hard. I used to love, like, physical stuff, and I still do, but it's this past year I've had to learn how to do other things besides go for a walk or, like, travel on foot. Um, And I feel like writing has been a lot of that. Sometimes I'll just sit, if I'm feeling really funky, I'll just sit and, like, just write the shittiest thing I can. Like, I've had an idea, I've had a couple of ideas in my head, um... And I want to just get them out on paper. And a lot of times I'll just be like, what's the worst version of this? How can I write this play the worst way it could be written? Like a parody of, of itself, making fun of it. And that helps. Like, yeah. Like sit down and write a real bad poem. And just like, get what I you're scared of out of the way. Super bad. Like write the worst That's smart. poem ever. Yeah. And just make fun of myself a bit. Like really deprecate even more. Just take it out. Because that, that's really helpful. Because a lot of times what I'm afraid of is being a fraud and being terrible. Um, yeah. Which I am. But it helps no, to write it, write it down and see it and be like, well, that's the worst. I mean. Yeah, it can only get better yeah, from here. Like, this is the worst. No, that's smart. And you kind of end up, after a while, actually writing the thing maybe a little bit too. I, I, it's, a, it's weird how it works, but I've been yeah. doing that lately. I've been doing that lately. Have you seen any shows lately that you oh. want to recommend? Yes. Um, yes, yes, yes. Friends shows or <laughs> fancy, fancy shows? Yes, I do yes exactly. Like, if you could do it, if you could do it just like Stefan, I would appreciate that. If you're a middle-aged mom. I love him so much. I miss him on SNL. Oh, he's so good. Have you seen Skeleton Twins? No, but I want to. I saw that, like, huge lip sync number. I need to see it. I love it's, it. It's, um, yeah, him and Kristen Wiig and uh, Reed Marino, who was a cinematographer on Frankie's show, Looking, the first year, who, who's so a much. badass. I love Looking so much. <laughs> I've watched Looking an embarrassing amount. So have I. Jonathan Groff. Um, my name is Jess. But Reed shot that movie, and so we went to see it, and I was just like, oh, my God. So yeah, good. I mean, it's really dark, but it's really, really good. Go. Yeah. Okay, I'm into it. I'm gonna watch it. Good. Um, I watched Bernie last night, that Jack Black movie about Carthage, Texas. Yeah. Related to all of them. How was that? Um, it was awesome because they used. Um, I mean, I don't know. It was. It was very entertaining because they used local townspeople in the movie, and they were brilliant. So, I mean, like, I was watching them going like. That's, I mean, you're way better on camera than I will ever be. And what is that? <laughs> like, I don't know. I find them very entertaining. Interesting. Also, they're like, they remind me of everyone that you, that know, you grew like, up with. Yeah, like just the accents and the sensibility and how funny everyone is. Everyone's so funny. People are funny. I don't, I like laugh harder when I'm at home than like, ah, people are so funny. Um,. No, I saw... Oh, no, last night I saw um, Mfaniso Udafia's Sojourners. Yes. Go, go Mark, see it. Mark was talking about last time he was here yeah. and he was about to see it. Oh, God. Everyone I need, to, to, I need to go. Everyone goes to that play. She is uh, a force of nature. She's so great. 
she, she's a storyteller. And that's what I feel like I'm missing out of a lot of things. I feel like I've seen a lot of, um, oh, God, really, I don't, I don't say this. I'm not trying to be shitty. I feel like um, there are things that are put up because they, people want to do a play and they want to do, uh, to either do it, to be in it. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know. I feel like recently I haven't seen a lot of things where I've been like, where's the story? What's the, I feel mm. like we're avoiding the story. All this stuff is happening to look cool. Right. It's all very cool. But where, what's the story being told? I, I, I'm missing it. And this felt like a story. I, yeah. Being told I have to make a, a plan. It, it's, she's, everyone in this Write it down. And, I mean, really great. I loved it a lot. I loved it a lot. Um, That's a great recommendation. I saw it the first time Natasha Pierre and the great comedy. <gasps> Did you go to Boston? I went to Boston. Oh, I didn't know that. And it was yeah, Frankie did too. So great. Um, yeah. My former roommate, Pearl Heim, was a, oh. a genius person. Um, and yeah, I'm so uh, excited for them that they're going to be on Broadway. Grace, Grace McLean and it's all amazing. those folks who are so amazing. It's you've seen it. Yeah. I saw it twice. I saw it maybe the first was it opening or the first preview, yeah, and then closing at Ars Nova, oh, which damn, I was really lucky great. to see. That, it's uh, so innovative. I, I loved it. To, uh, please record a cast album, you guys. I'm sure the they cast. will once it's please on Broadway. Die. Because that one, um, no one else, that one song, that kind of aria mm. of uh, you and me, the moon, when she's singing, Natasha singing the moon. Holy shit. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, I'm sure, like, I'm sure oh. they'll record one in the fall. God, that music is killer. I just, and everyone. Oh, that's so great. great. And the story, again, like. Did, had you seen it before, no, or this was the no. first time? This is the first time I'd heard oh, okay. about it, but just, uh, sure, it's it's like, it tells it in this kind of like, it's like kind of an off-kilter storytelling, Yeah, but there's story, and it's something that I... And I have um, never read War and Peace. Oh, no, me either. I've never attempted okay. to read War no, and Peace, uh-uh. but it's so great. Nope, don't even own it. Nope. <laughs> never read it, um, but I should. Or should I? Or should I? I don't know. I, I don't, don't know. know. Who's to say? Who cares? That's oh, okay. You saw Natasha and Pierre. I did. It's like reading. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I, just, I haven't. No, I haven't tackled any of the big, any of the big like Russian classics. I I need to. I should. Um, but I haven't. Um, That's okay. I write a lot of bad poetry. Um, I saw yeah that Hamilton. Which <gasps> you I saw it. To see. Yes. Yes. Um, so yes, good. It was everything and more. Um, so smart. And again, the storytelling, just so smart, um, and relevant. Mm-hmm. And also like, I didn't know shit about Alexander Hamilton. Yeah. Like I was sitting there as like having graduated from an American public high school. Uh, I was like, oh shit. Really? Like, oh, <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea. And I just, you're um, like, oh, George Washington. I know him. Yeah. yeah. And funny and, uh, informative and. I'm yeah, both. so smart. So fucking smart. So good. Um, yeah, all those uh, things. All those things. And uh, I haven't seen I haven't seen stand up in a while, but I've been wanting to kind of find more stand up to see if anyone wants to be a buddy. Do you listen to a lot of comedy podcasts? Because I uh, I am not into the world of comedy barely at all. Besides, yeah. like the really well known tina fey amy poehler snl people like yeah. i do not pay attention to that at all but i've yeah. i've stumbled upon several podcasts that are about different things but by comedians Who and it's 
Do you have any off the top of your head you can think of? Well, the one that um, Amanda Sykes recommended to well, me yeah. way back when I was like beginning to listen Amanda to podcasts so <laughs> is Throwing Shade. Oh, um, I've heard of this. Is it good? It's excellent. Okay. It's okay. excellent. It. And yeah. it's it's a, a woman and a gay man. They're both comedians and they talk about current events like um gay rights and women's rights current events with this you know snarky bent and it's so good because that's the thing that i wish um just speaking of like shade that's the thing that i think if i were oh god i wish so hard that i could do drag i love drag so much you could do drag well it wouldn't be the same as a man doing drag i mean people call me sir a lot um, but you could do fair. drag. Like, <laughs> it's not quite the well. There's not quite the venue for drag kings as there are for drag well, queens. I mean, drag kings. That's not. I mean, drag queens. Right. Oh my god. They have a like, platform. Bob drag queen. Bianca <laughs> uh, I just love them. I love, that is an I amazing love, world. God, I love it and so they much. kind of get to be both. They get to be yeah. stand-up comics, oh, yeah. but with this whole flair. Some of them, some of them shouldn't be. But right. Some but like, some of them are. Some of them are. Thinkers. Have you ever seen her? Do no. <gasps> she's an insult comic, and she's the fucking best. She's the greatest. <laughs> she's the fastest thinker. I mean, ah, uh, she runs. There are times on RuPaul's Drag Race, which I love so much, that she has been so quick. I have seen another queen on the show like have to like turn her head to like catch. <laughs> like, I mean, she's so fast and so smart. Um, just oh god i love i i just i love her but i love i love drag i just think it's the most entertaining and uh, like kind of inherently political in yeah and, and um oh i just love it so much I love yeah it. it's just interesting to think about like different platforms that are oh, i mean yeah. drag queens have been around for forever but yeah with podcasts and stuff it's giving people a different a different way to get their stuff out there oh yeah so throw in shade I'm in on that. Very I love to put your hands together with Cameron Esposito. Oh. Cameron Esposito is a... Oh, she's so great. She's a great comic. So funny. And I love her. And um, she hosts a night with Rhea Butcher. Uh-huh. Beyonce. Um, they have like this awesome rapport, the two of them. And they host... Cameron hosts it, but Rhea is also there. She helps. And they have a podcast of kind of new up-and-coming comics. Mm. Um, and established comics. Like very established. But it's the... like. I mean, they're comics comics. They're like the real funny people. Right. Um, I don't know. Before you leave, I'll look through my podcast yeah, and I'll tell oh, you. I can't remember the other ones right now, but... No, check it out. Oh, Jess. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, thank you. This this was really great. I was terrified. This is, oh, no, this was super, such a pleasure. I, super I This is a secret, but Jess helped me right when I started the podcast. We did like a test episode. When I was... No, I loved it. I loved it. But we were just te- like testing the audio equipment, and it wasn't. I didn't have the right microphones yet, so I it, I couldn't have used it anyway. And I was figuring out if I had something to talk you about for an hour. But you were so good, and you Jess was so good. No, you asked me the first question, which was, "What is the dark side to you?" And I remember I said something like, "I'm in it now. This is the dark side." And you were like, "Okay." Uh, hey, hey, what is wrong with that answer? I don't know. I just remember being like, I'm so sorry, Leah. But anyway, so the, Jess has been on my mind the entire time I've been doing this, and I'm really excited that she's finally on it for, for realsies. For realsies. <laughs> for realsies. Thanks, Leah. All right. Thank you.
for listening to the Compass Podcast. I'm Leah Walsh. More episodes are coming soon. Please look for us on Facebook and iTunes. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller. Music by Brendan Spieth. Audio assistance from Nick Choksi. And a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.